allow the soothing music and uplifting affirmations to center your heart and mind in an awareness of God's love. Wake up, my dear sinners, wake up from your deep rest. Won't you say your prayers and know that you are blessed? I love you, oh, but Jesus loves you the best. And I hope that you choose your own religion. Hello, my dear, dear sinners. Welcome to Choose Your Own Religion. My name is Joe. This is the show where we talk about religion we grew up with, what we got now. We make up our own religion. And today... It's such an exciting episode. We get to talk about one of my favorite things in the world. My favorite band. They've been with me in my life every moment the past 10 plus years. Fish. And I get to talk about them with Aaron Lampart. It's so exciting to have her on the show today because Aaron is my fish comedy comrade. And it was such an awesome thing having her in here to talk about this band that's been such an obsessive part of our lives the past 10 years and i i truly hope that this is something i truly hope you guys come out of this kind of understanding where we're coming from and understand how this is a religious experience for us you know it it's such a intense relationship we develop we all develop with the artists that touch our lives and it's especially the weird ones the ones that nobody else quite gets and that you've tried to recommend people and they're like ah not my thing You develop such an interesting, unique relationship with those artists that even though you don't know them on a personal level, you know them even more intimately than personally. And that's what I love about Fish is that you understand their intimacy by them being nonsensical, by them not having spiritual pride that I fall into so much, whether I was a Christian growing up or I was pretending to be enlightened or even there's a spiritual pride to being an to being an atheist that we all sense and it's it's this holier than thou thing that all religions and all people who aren't assholes agree sucks and fish has always been, sort of been about not taking it too seriously there's no spiritual pride head trip the only trips fish has taken me on are musical odysseys in the words of gene and dean ween you may think that i'm a loser well you suck. I'm not apologizing for fish. I've apologized enough over the years. I've thrown them under the bus. I'm sorry, Trey. I was young. I was scared. I wasn't confident in my own weirdness. But the cock has not crowed three times. This is my band. I love them, and I just want you all to understand. If you don't like fish, there's so much more in this episode. I want to thank Aaron for being so cool and honest and open on this and we talk about self-love and we talk about relationships i feel like i'm ready to be in a relationship just after having this conversation aaron's great and she runs a weekly stand-up show called sauce it's at the sauna pizza every friday at eight if you're in la check it out follow her on twitter if you like the show subscribe itunes stitcher follow me on all the stuff facebook twitter those are the main things i'm on and uh i love you guys ja rule I don't do a lot of podcasts. Why don't more people like fish? That's something that's bugged me since I was like 17 years old. Here's what I think. I think most people are following a popular opinion of haters. Mm -hmm. I don't even think most people could tell you what a fish song sounded like. No. And, okay, let's say say you've been to a concert and Mm -hmm. you're still hating on them. Mm -hmm. Then I think you just don't like enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. It's it's so infectious. I think you have to be a true cynical, like close-minded person to not at least have a good time at a fish show. I don't even. I'm not even saying you have to like the music. Yeah. It's like I get. It. One time I had I was driving down the five freeway, mm-hmm. uh, going to San Francisco, and I had this revelation. It felt like a revelation at the time. Sure. But you know, it's just if you get it. That's great. And if you don't get it, that's okay too. 
but no one should hate each other for liking it or not liking it. Like, it, if you don't totally. like it, I almost feel bad for you because it's like you can't find the joy in your heart. Yeah. That's I, how I feel. That that's what that that exact like <laughs> that almost patronizing pity is what I've I've come to feel for people who aren't into it. Like I'm like I just I it does for long it's like I don't understand how you can listen to like like I don't know a you enjoy myself jam like come to a head like right. it's just that infe- like that and it's just it's like technically good and it's like emotionally captivating mm-hmm. and I'm like how can you how does this not resonate with every human being and for a while I was like oh just people just are like not aware of it they just need to like open their ears a little bit but then I don't know I'll, I remember trying to get a coworker into it like four years ago and she was like eh like Trey kind of sounds like a lounge singer. So okay. I I'm, right. <laughs> I'm like, so... all right. I'm like, all right, all right. And like, I think the lyrics are a big hang up with some people, too. They're... I think that's silly, though. If you're going to hate a band just because they write silly words, but you're not going to pay attention to the beautiful, like, music that they're playing. Right. I don't know. Who cares? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's uh, not about the words. It's, yeah, it's totally. I think that's what people maybe miss in the. You're like, a, are you familiar with like uh, Alan Watts at all? No. He's like, okay, he's like this uh, this old British um, scholar and kind of philosopher dude who like he was, he was a total hippie, like brought like Zen shit over into California, like he moved, mm-hmm. and, and he has this thing about like mu- he's he he had a statement about music. It's like the only good music is like meaningless, like good classical music. Like you don't yeah. like Mozart's not not preaching you. To anything it's yeah. just like listen to mozart and that's kind of what i feel like fish is to me it's like it's not trying to send any particular message it's moving it's moving yeah i, I would totally compare that to like classical music in that same way yeah, yeah. It, it can move you and if it doesn't i'm sorry i feel bad yeah how did how did you get into them like how old were you well the first time i heard them i was probably about 12 and i was riding in my brother's volvo which that is a car that i has appeared in my dreams (laughs) more than once so i don't know i'm not really saying anything about that other than that car was somehow significant to me Mm -hmm. so i'm riding with my older brother he's five years older than me we're in his volvo i believe the first song i heard was reba because I kept saying to him, what is this? What is this? Because it was so catchy, you know, yeah. bag it, tag it. it. And now, as an adult, that's not my favorite song. If I get a Reba Jam, that's great. Right. But, like, I don't need it. I don't need to hear that. We only need the five-minute, like, uh, what do you call it, like, a written part. like Right. It's fine. It's great it's, if it's, it's there. A, yeah. But, like... Yeah, when I was a kid, I was like, whoa, what is this? And then I remember hearing um, the song Rift, and, and I just kept bugging him. What is this? What is this? What is this? And he would just look at me and go, <laughs> like he had this secret. And then so I just went down to his room, because his room was in the basement, and I just like looked at all his tapes. And so that's kind that's of... so cool. But I didn't really get into him, I mean, obviously until I was older, Um like high school but I wasn't seeing them because I had strict parents and like the friends that I did have that were into them were like way above me as far as like oh I you can go to you can just go to Maine your parents are letting you go (laughs) to Maine for a weekend it's 1997 I'm only 16 like wait where are you from again uh I'm originally from New York but I was living in Pennsylvania yeah at the time so that's like an eight hour ride probably to Maine or something right or like more it's probably 10 hours to Maine wow because I've been to Vermont and that's a seven hour drive dang i think of the northeast as like all being like it's close neighbors like no i, I think no Maine, Maine like, is a trek i think of like santa monica distance to like rhode island or something i think from, it was i think <laughs> it was Boston. 10 hours to coventry damn from where i lived i didn't go to coventry yeah. but i'm i'm pretty sure that's how far coventry was so yeah. Maine is like it's way up so there. far yeah um so yeah i i would say like high school is when like I liked them, but I wasn't really into them because I still hadn't seen them yet. Then they broke up. Yeah. Then I was like, well, great. Now I'm never going to see them. Yep. Then 2003, they reunited. I somehow got a ticket through my friends. We got tickets mm-hmm. somehow. And that was the first time I saw them was 2003. So I'm kind of a late 
bloomer with them, like as far as seeing them. Why well, didn't you get to see them till '09? Oh, I got that was it. a good year though. That was such a hot comeback. It was the you know what was so hot was like the good vibes, the good feeling. Like everybody was just so thankful that they yeah. were, they were off for five years for that one, and it was. Uh, I remember, because I got into them in 04, right? Like, right after Coventry was when I became mm. aware of them. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't even know they existed until, like, probably until December of that year when the New Year's uh, 95 mm. album came out. Mm-hmm. I remember, like, I had first heard, like, a couple songs, like, off of Yunta, like, Fee. I think mm-hmm. Fee was the first one where I'm like, oh, they can, like, write good songs. Like, it was, like, a, yeah. just a good tune. And then the New Year's 95 album is just, I was, that was fucking game over for me. Because yeah. I was like, wait, this is live? This sounds better <laughs> than anything I've ever heard written. That's you know? funny. And then, but then I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm never going to get to see him. Shoot, five years later, I'm living in North Carolina still. And uh, I'd like, I wasn't able to go to, I didn't get Hampton tickets. But uh, I drove up like 16 hours or however many to Connecticut to a, a show in Hartford because I had a friend up there. And I saw my first fish show. That's awesome. It was amazing. Yeah. It's funny because when I moved to California, they were they were in their hiatus, you know, it was, or no, they were in a breakup. Everyone mm-hmm. thought that was it. Done. Yeah. Done. And I, I think and, Trey had said, we're done. Yeah, we're done. That's <laughs> yeah. it. I remember when I saw them uh, on that tour, that last tour, I saw them in Massachusetts and he made a joke out of like throwing his guitar into the audience and mm-hmm. he's like, won't be needing this anymore. <laughs> and everyone like didn't, no. was like, no, 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 like such yeah. a mix of emotions. And like to put it in context for people who, who don't understand that literally I mean they talk, they joke about Trey as a jet being a Jedi yeah. I mean that would literally be like uh, like uh, what do you call it? Luke Skywalker being like oh guess I don't need this lightsaber anymore just like jokingly throwing away his right. lightsaber yeah well then I, I joked when I was moving to California that my biggest fear was that Fish was going to reunite and have an only East Coast like an East Coast only tour and that basically happened like yeah. they announced Hampton and I was like oh I knew it oh no <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do? But then, luckily, they also announced the uh, three-day Festival 8, which oh, was right. in India, uh, India where yeah. I had been before. I'd been to Coachella, so it was like comfort zone. Perfect. I was so pumped, and that was 2009, and it was undersold, so it wasn't too crowded. Yeah. That was the best oh, thing I've ever done. And I remember even after that saying, well... I guess if I never see them again, I'll be okay. Yeah. Like, th- that fulfilled me in so many... That was eight sets over three days. Yeah. It was perfect. How many uh, did you go with other fish fans? I went with or... one friend uh-huh. who, unfortunately, we're not friends anymore, and it really bums me out, because uh-huh. um, there's, like, no explanation why we're not friends. But I went with my friend Maddie, who was my best friend when I first moved here. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know anyone else. And... Uh, we he had never seen them, but he was a big like he was into like Soul Live. That's his that's okay. his fish. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't know. Somehow we decided we would go together, and uh, it was great. It was really a truly amazing experience. We both had a blast. That's incredible because the, the the fish festival the, is elusive for me. Like that's on my my bucket list is like next big fish because I still haven't been to any of them. I haven't because I was on the East Coast when they did uh, oh. Festival 8 and then now they've all been in like uh, Watkins Glen, New York right. since yeah. then and I, I could make it but it, I just couldn't really afford it for the past several years and I'm just but like I mean what is I, I know what the feeling of a fish concert is be like and like then the, that feeling of like a community of like we're all, there's 20,000 people who get my weird thing? Yeah, my, but that that's like on a spiritual level. Is it like that? It's at the so festival energetic. Just amplify? Yeah, no, it's crazy. Well, Coachella, I'm not. I don't want to compare the two, but it is like a little bit of the same. Like there are now so many people that hate on Coachella. Who again? They've never been there, so they only know the stereotypes. It's right. so hot. Oh, there's so many stupid people. Yeah, yeah, that is totally true. That's so true. But if you know what you're doing and you have, like, everyone has their own time. Yeah. You know, I think Trey even says that in one of the documentaries where he's like, every, what was it? It. Mm, yeah, do you have yeah, that yeah. DVD? I do. Yeah, he, yeah. I think he talks about how like everyone can go off and like have their own experience and then like come back together and be like, oh, I saw this. I saw this. Did you see that thing at this time? Yeah. And like that's what Coachella is like. And that's why I love Coachella because it's the people who do get it, get it. And the people who are good are good mm-hmm. and will do good for you and help you out. And oh, do you need water here? Take my water. Like Coachella is very much like that. 
the fish festival that was in the same space yeah. was like a hundred times more like gratitude Sincere sincerity, just like, yeah, like intimacy, pure, probably. Yeah, pure. Like no one was rude ever, and there was there was one day where they had um, they had bloody Ma- like a bloody ba- bloody Mary bar, and uh-huh. it was you know so many people waiting in line, but it was a fun line. No one was like impatient right. or complaining or this and that. And it was over Halloween, right? So they had like the Halloween weekend, stuff. People were in costumes some of the time, half the time, all the time. It was like there was no oh rhyme or God. reason to it. It was yeah. the best Bloody Mary I ever had. They had this like <laughs> um, station with like olives and pickled green beans. I just loaded. I had like the biggest, best Bloody Mary I've ever had in my life. The, they did a thing where they had coffee and donuts uh-huh. on Sunday morning. Same thing. Huge line. Oh, everyone's yeah. happy. Everyone is happy. That's what fish is. Everyone's happy. You go to a fish show, everyone's happy. There's yeah. Sure, there's a couple of fucktards somewhere in the crowd. Oh, you know what you do? You move away. Yeah. That's what I do. If I go to a concert and I feel a little uncomfortable around the people next to me because they're like snorting shit that I don't know what it is off of their keys, <laughs> I'm probably going to move because I don't yeah. know what they're going to do. Yeah. When I, and I, you know, it's so like, and it's so, it's such an interesting thing. Like, I don't know. For me, I can, sometimes I shift between wanting to be invisible, like fly on the wall in those situations. Like, I just want to like, I just want to like observe, like, I just want to take it all in and like coach through. But then sometimes, and I remember like you in like your pantsuit and your, uh, <laughs> your, um, your meat stick sunglasses, <laughs> you're just like exuding this amazing vibe and everybody's like, fucking great pantsuit yeah that was one of the best nights of my life i couldn't wait to wear that i've worn that pantsuit more than once but that was where i needed to wear it that was like i bought it it. meant for i was like yeah halloween's coming up but fish is coming up that's where i'm going totally and like man this past year at the forum and then and the year before where we went it's just like some sometimes and it has a way of just like shaking me out of my system where you're like maybe like for me, it was like a couple of summers where I was just like going through a grind, going through a little bit of a like a grudge period, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you're just blasted with this love energy just out of nowhere. Yeah, everything feels okay. It's incredible. And like I know we're talking about fish, but I I didn't think that it was possible to feel that anywhere else, and then uh, I did. Where? Doctor Dog. Ooh. September thirtieth, two thousand and thirteen. Damn. Down to be to exact. Day. I mean, I had seen them before. I'd definitely seen them before. Yeah. But something about that show, it was definitely the where I was like in my life. Like I was yeah. I had had a terrible almost terrible whole year and I was like working on coming out of it. I was doing a lot of work to yeah, get yeah. myself in a good place. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I I knew I was going to try to go to that show. It was sold out at the Troubadour and I went anyway. And I ended up getting, some guy gave me his comp, which is not the first time that's happened at a Dr. Dog show. And I feel like they're looking at, I feel like they see me. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, there's that girl that's always, maybe not, maybe this sounds stupid, but I have had this thought go through my mind. <laughs> because it's happened more than once. That maybe they see this girl all alone walking up and down the street asking who's got an extra. And then somehow they're like, oh, hey, uh, so-and-so uh, roadie guy, are you using your plus one? Go give it to that girl. I don't know if that's really what's happening, but that's what I like to pretend is happening because it's happened like three times now with them. That's why they call it a miracle, you know? It's true. And then I go into that show and part of what was um, messing me up that year was like this dude. It wasn't even the dude, but it just happened. All, all this stuff happened at once. And in the middle of it was a dude that I really thought was going to be something. Yeah. And then it totally wasn't. Uh-huh. And it was just the way it all went down. And I actually had a feeling that he would be at that show. And he was, and he was with the girl that he met on the date that we were on and then went for. Oh, no. Oh, it's just so many things. There's so many layers to that. I call them my unfinished business, but actually (laughs) it's totally finished because at that show I saw them both Uh and I didn't care. And I knew that I was having a better time than them. And I even like caught him out of the corner of my eye dancing. And I was like, he looks dumb. No one else in here looks dumb, but that guy looks dumb. <laughs> that girl looks like she sucks. And then like something washed over me. And they have a song. Um, it was on. It was for their newer album at the time, B, B Room. And the song that starts the album is called The Truth. Mm-hmm. 
I had actually seen them earlier that day at Amoeba. <laughs> but oh, yeah? I saw them twice in one day. So I Dang. saw them at Amoeba, and I was like, wow, that's cool. I really hope I get into the Troubadour. I go to the Troubadour. It's so intimate there. It's my favorite venue. And they start playing this song, The Truth. And it's just the words, like, entered my veins. And there's this part where it's like, they just keep repeating, let the rain fall. And like, that is such a simple line. But that's like my mantra now. When things are going bad, it's like I have to stop and remember to just let the rain fall. Let that rain fall. Let that rain fall. That sun's going to come out. Yeah. And it's going to be fine. That trans that show was, like, life-changing. That's, a, like, sometimes I, I don't know. I think about, like, what is happening in those, like, I love, they, they say music is, like, yeah, that, the, what, the international language, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's that it's something that just transcends word, and it's, I mean, I, I don't want to, like, dissect the frog here, but it's, like, what is happening when... You have like that goosebump feeling. There's like just a rate. There's an elevation when you hear like a a line like that that speaks at some weird truth. It, it like it almost took my breath away. It it spoke to me yeah. so much. Like I felt like I felt like I was the only one in there. <laughs> yeah. Also, side note, I know how d- dumb this all sounds. Like I feel dumb for talking about this because no. this feels like dumb thoughts. But these are my pure thoughts, and if you don't like it, whatever. No. It, I just had that's, to, like, say the, this the disclaimer. The haters are still yeah, on your mind. That's I know. But it's so, like... But I don't care. That's my point. I don't care what this sounds like, because this is me. That's... that's, that's Okay, that that's, that is a thing that I love at Fish. or Fish is in, like, is one of the few communities. I know other ones are out there, and I think there's something about when you find... When, we, when anybody finds their own secret society, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what it sort of feels. It feels like a giant secret society where we all know the, speak, the language, we know mm-hmm. the, the shared history. It's like there's a, just a huge level of like green lighting people's energy and enthusiasm. You don't have to check. Like you don't have – if you were – me and you having this conversation at a show, we wouldn't have to be like, oh, I'm sorry, guy. By the way, I know I this wanna, is I, dumb. I know this yeah. is crazy. Like, no. They're like, No. Fuck that. Yeah. You know? That's when you told me you were a fish fan. I was like, okay, I'll go to a show with that guy sometime. And then that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. And now we have, like, this connection that, yeah. like, not everyone can have. The, like, c- yeah. it's a, it's like a special, it's almost like we're wearing a, an, invis- an invisible badge. Yeah. Like, when you know that someone is really into fish. Okay, cool. You get it. It's so true. Congratulations. Like, the instant I find out anybody is, I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, you know you can have a conversation with that person because yeah. of I had known you for a couple years but we had never like talked that yeah, much no and I was like oh shit you said I think you said it like on a bit at something or you meant you like offhandedly mentioned it or yeah. something or maybe Steve Hernandez maybe Steve Hernandez told told us that we like I don't know because he maybe mentioned it to me one I know on he, his he, old he definitely podcast. yeah he definitely knew I was into it okay <laughs> yeah but, I don't uh, know I don't know but it was uh it's so great. And how, uh, for me, do you have like, with, um, like these periods to me, I, I like, there's certain songs like Harry hood or like slave or whatever. They're like, I've listened to them now for a decade and there's like, mm-hmm. like riding in the car. There's mm-hmm. like been so many emotional periods in my life where like, I'll hear a certain song and I'll like connect and be like, man, the, like you feel like a chapter is turning in your life. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking oh, about? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have that with not. I have that with a lot of different music. I don't just have that with them. I have that with well, a lot of Wilco actually. Mm, Wilco yeah, yeah, would yeah. put out a new album. I'm not even that into them anymore, but they were super significant in that period of time when I was deciding to leave Pennsylvania and like come out here. And I feel like every time they would put out a new album, like a breakup would happen or like a huge decision. So I just ha- I have that with them, yeah. but I do I also do have it with Fish and certain um, parts of song. I know what you're saying. Yeah, no, and I Wilco is another. That's another one for me too. Uh, do you think uh, do you think you can get too obsessed with fish? Like, do you think it is healthy to like spread your wings a little bit? I mean, I'm sure there's like you know you see the dudes on the lot that are like super dirty and like super tweaky, and yeah. you know you feel bad that people get to that point. But I mm-hmm. think that's just you're that's sad. That's sadness. That's yeah. their sadness, and and fish is maybe the thing that makes them happy, and it. And it sucks that they can't 
maybe branch out from that world and like mm, yeah i don't know i don't know i'm not judging anyone but it seems like they're substituting it for getting their needs met through other yeah, ways yeah yeah it's yeah. like fish becomes their drug which you know dr dog is kind of like my drug fish is kind of like my drug but right there's a you know there's a point there's a what, responsible there's a, there's a, a <laughs> boundary use. yeah there yeah. should be boundaries i think yeah have you ever uh have you ever like sold anything online or anything like no, or anything like that? no, I think the only time I ever sold anything anywhere was uh, my friends and I got Radiohead tickets in Philadelphia or in Camden, New Jersey, which were, they were impossible to get. And we were like, let's just bring this case of Peel's beer and just sell it for like two bucks. <laughs> so that's the only time I've ever sold anything was like a case of Peel's beer for two bucks. Never a even beer. heard of Peel's beer. Yeah, it's disgusting. It's worse than Paps. It's like wow. worse than PBR. It's cheaper than PBR. It's like the Jersey, Pennsylvania. It's like, like... it's spelled like P I E L apostrophe S. Wow. Peel's. So you could, like, it's like. You're not even drinking Yingling at that point. No, it's like, it's, I don't know. It's like grandpa's drink, like grandpa's <laughs> drank it yeah. in the 40s. <laughs> but no, I've never been a vendor. I, I I don't know how that, I don't know how that all works. Yeah. I, and I don't have anything to sell. Yeah. Can I, I, guess. T- I, I had a, uh, the one, so I had one summer where I followed uh, fish with, with my girlfriend at the time. And we, we sold like water a few times, like bottled water, but there was, there's one time when we, uh, it was at Alp, not Alpine, it was at, yeah, Alpine, it was at Alpine Valley, mm-hmm. Wisconsin, and we, uh, she really wanted to sell crepes, like her grandpa's, like, crepe recipe, Ooh. that were, that were really good, and I was like, I don't know how that's gonna work, like, we had a portable grill and everything, like, I, she's like, no, like, we just need to try it, like, it'll be fine, they're gonna be super popular, <laughs> we sold, like, literally one crepe uh. <laughs> the entire day, because it turns out it's, like, kind of gross to, like, see people handling eggs, and, like, dealing with eggs yeah. in, like, a parking lot, yeah. but the one, I'll tell you, the one guy who, like, bought it was like, holy shit, this is so good, That's and he awesome. bought, like, five more, <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's a, it's tough, uh, racket out there if you want to, like, yeah. actually try to make a living at that. Yeah, I don't know how. I mean, grilled cheese is the way to go, I guess, if you're making stuff for people because that's universal. Vegetarians eat it. It takes four minutes to make one. It's mm-hmm. cheap ingredients. I feel like if I were going to do anything like that, I would probably sell grilled cheese or smoothies because people on acid want smoothies. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned. <laughs> um, and uh, But that's like another... That's an expensive thing. Yeah, the smoothies. Real fruit. Smoothies are a bit much. Was there... um. Did you? So you're a big Marco Benevento fan as well. Yeah, right? he's and like that, a friend. That's so fucking cool. Yeah, it's weird, but it's Wait, awesome. I love him. And you had a chance to do like comedy for him. Right? Yeah, that's a that was like that was actually the year that I was really going through some shit, and yeah. um, it was it happened at the beginning of the year where my friend. Um, my friend Dan, one of my best friends from Pennsylvania, was working for him, and he just messaged me randomly and was like, hey, I'm um, coming out for Marco's West Coast tour. He was like their tour manager. He's like, I'm coming out for tour. Do you have any interest in being our merch girl? And I was like, yeah, I'm super into that. <laughs> yeah. So um, I was just excited for that. I was like, yeah, I want to like go for a couple days and like, yeah. hang out with this band that I like. Yeah, yeah. And then I actually met Marco, and he was so cool, and... Um, was he playing with Joe Russo too? No, no. this is this was like his. Ba- it was um, Marco Benevento, Dave Drywitz, who used to play with Ween. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's him on bass and Andy Borgner mm-hmm. uh, on drums, and that was it. It was just the three of them, and then they had a lighting and a sound guy. And this other band, Mike Dillon, was opening for them. It was great. The all it was so great. <laughs> but the night that I met him, they had just gotten into town, and I met them for some a uh, couple beers. And uh, Dan was like, "Yeah, you know, you can come with us up to as far as like Santa Cruz or whatever, or San Francisco." I was like, "Yeah, I'd love to." I said, "I have a show in San Francisco on Saturday night, so I don't know if I can do merch then." Mm. And Marco was like, "Oh, what's your show?" And I was like, "Comedy." And he was like, "Oh, you should open for us." And I was like, what? Like, nice joke, Marco. Right. So I, like, thought about I didn't really say anything about it again. And I thought about it. And then the next day, we uh, we went up. We went to the Mint, I think, the next day. Uh-huh. And then 
I didn't say anything about it until we were in Santa Cruz, or it was actually Felton. And I said to Dan, I was like, do you think Marco was joking about that or serious? <laughs> and he was like, well, every time he's joking, he's a lot serious. Or anytime he's serious, he's, you know, it's usually he's serious. Yeah. And I was like, okay. He was like, I would wait till like after sound check and just go up and be like, did you want me to do that? Thing? <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty much what I did. And he's like, yeah, do it. Yeah, do it for sure. And then I did it. Sick. And it was great. It ended up being great. And he was like, you're doing it again tomorrow. And I was like, what? <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. How was, so how was doing comedy for a, uh, for, for a, a music, for a concert, for like a concert going crowd who don't really know, who didn't know you that like at all, really? It was terrifying. Yeah. It was terrifying because I was, it was also 2013. So that's three years ago now. So I, Fuck, I know that's nuts. Three years ago. So I'm. I'm three more, three years more experienced now, and the thought still ter- terrifies me. So <laughs> thinking back then, like yeah. that took a lot of balls for me to even be like, "Hey, Marco, uh, were you serious about that thing?" <laughs> Holy shit, yeah. And but the venue was really cool. The venue made me feel at ease, and the crowd, like everyone was nice. Like Dan knew a lot of the people, and they were like, "Oh, mm-hmm. comedy, oh, right on." Like people were <laughs> interested in it when they heard that it was happening, but also. Yeah. Not everyone heard that it was happening. So here's this girl that goes on stage and is like, hey. But it was fun because I made it. I just announced that I was the merch girl. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, pointed to the merch table. Said, come <laughs> see me over there. Then I made a joke about merch. Uh-huh. And then I was like, oh, secret comedy Hot. set? What? <laughs> and it was awesome. And they were really cool about it. And they were really receptive. And I do think that it. It has to do with Marco. Like, he is a magical man, and he is such an entertainer. But I think his fans know to expect that he's going to be full of surprises, and he's got a lot of hats and a lot of tricks in his hat, you know? So that was really cool, too, is no... Because I had seen him before in in Portland randomly. Uh That was like... So, yeah, I I just knew what his fans were like. So that put me at ease. And they were really cool about it. That's so cool. Yeah, it was... How long did you do? I did 10 minutes. I did 10 minutes. And then the next night, I had a show in San Francisco. And so they were like, well, if you can get back here, like, get back here at this time and, like, you know, do it. Do your thing. We would love to have you do your thing. And I was like, all right. So I, like tried to navigate San Francisco transportation and (laughs) went to my show at the last weekend video and it was great. And then I had to bounce out and go back to the independent, Uh which since I had left has now been filled. (laughs) And I think I cut myself off at that one. I think I only did like six minutes Mm because I was terrified. They wanted Marco. They didn't want me. But I I held my ground and I was like, you know what, guys? Marco wanted me to do this. (laughs) Uh, So can I finish this joke? Who wants to hear me finish this joke? And then I got them on my side. That's awesome. But it was like the most I've ever felt like really steering a ship on yeah. some crazy storm water. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, it's so weird, like, uh, doing comedy for people who don't feel like they want to hear Like, it's, it seems, it's a weird feeling. Yeah, people were into that. it. It was like, at the, at the Independent, I mean, there was so many more people there than were there in Felton, California. Uh-huh. So it's a little less intimate, a little less personal, maybe. Yeah, I yeah. was on top of this huge state. Like, I, it was crazy. It was nuts. I don't remember it. I don't think I've even watched that set because I'm like, I don't want to know how that went. Yeah. Like, I just want to remember it however I remember it, which is barely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Have you ever uh, ever played music or anything? No. No, I picked up a guitar when I was 14 and tried to teach myself. I, like, played with guitar. I played with a guitar for all through high school. Because I was talking with uh, Rick Wood the other day, who I guess apparently randomly plays music on the side or just started playing live sometimes and he's like yeah it's weird like like after doing comedy and you can like read a room it's like weird to be playing music and you can tell when they're not into it oh, <laughs> like it's yeah. such a weird feeling I wouldn't like that yeah it's like I don't know even at certain open mics where the energy is low you know you're kind of like you feel like it's like best case I feel like I'm forcing my, my jokes on yeah. you you know yeah it's weird, but um, that's such a cool story. Would you ever do that again? Oh, totally. I would totally do it again. Well, my friend doesn't work for them anymore. He works for a different band. And honestly, like to have another person on their tour, because they treated me like a queen. That was the other thing. They were so nice. They like, 
I had meals and I had beers and we found places to stay. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't that it wasn't very long. But the point is, like, I was so grateful for them because I didn't really have to do anything but just show up. Yeah. You know, and and I kept an eye on the merch and it was fine. You know, like what's uh, what's hanging out with musicians like versus comedians? It was really fun. I mean, it helps that. It helped that those guys are great guys. Like, oh. Dan even said he's worked for a ton of bands. They're the band that he wishes he could work for forever, you know? Mm. But they are also, you know, they don't have a lot of money. Sure, you yeah. know? So I think it was supposed to happen again, but I was, like, really shy about asking. I don't know. It sounded like, like, it sounded like they really wanted me to come back, but I was being shy about being persistent mm. and also I knew that they couldn't really afford to take on another person yeah. so I didn't want to and I would have had to miss work but so yeah I would have totally done it again it just didn't really I wasn't no one was being pushy about it so it didn't really happen but I've, yeah. I've hung out with them again I've seen them I've been on their guest list whatever yeah. but hanging out with them was a blast Dave Drywitz is one of the funniest people I know <laughs> um, Marco like I said he's just a magical man he just has he exudes this magical happy positive vibe where you think I just I trusted them I trusted them all yeah and Dan is a lot like that it makes sense that they found each other because Dan I've known since I was 15 and I'll do anything if Dan if Dan makes me feel safe like Dan makes me feel safe Marco makes me feel safe those guys all made me feel safe yeah I've never really hung out with any other musicians to have like references any other established musicians to have another reference point but that was truly one of the best times of my life that's so cool yeah and that kind of like that idea of like uh it's so weird when we come into contact. We we know them like certain comedian friends of ours who have that same magnetic type energy or just that yeah. that presence that that I don't know. It, it's so much like it's pure love and acceptance and mm-hmm. like calmness like going throughout them. And it's I feel like I'm always I'm constantly like working to try to produce that myself but it's such it's so hard to like yeah. try to maintain that like I, I'm amazed that people are able to sort of keep that going I don't know yeah I mean I feel like I have so much noise in my head all the time that I don't know <laughs> if I what I'm exuding like I'm afraid of sometimes I just don't talk to anybody because I'm like I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth there's so much going on up here I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth yeah it's going to be embarrassing whatever it is is going to be embarrassing totally yeah and it usually is because I'm either like throwing up compliments to people left and right because wow. I say what I see. I I say what I feel and I just need to shut up sometimes. I just need to like do you think not talk. Do you think that's a function? I I I think uh you know I was heavily like I was obsessed with the LA kind of comedy, like stand up comedy world for a while. Mm-hmm. The past couple of years I've I've branched out a little bit. Do you think that that's sort of a function of like stand-up comedians specifically having maybe a little level of like social anxiety and like hyper awareness and like we're constantly like thinking of how other people could make fun of the the shit we're saying like i'm that's sometimes like i'm already like before i say something i can imagine the criticism already (laughs) and i make that one myself and maybe but i think a lot of times i'm just like people are not thinking of that like i'm just i'm crazy and like I, i think we all are i think comedians for whatever reason are um, are like definitely socially weird. I don't know <laughs> yeah. why. I don't know why. And I'm not saying it's just comedians, but I also I only really know comedians at this point. Yeah. But it is kind of comforting when I meet someone who's not a comedian who shows signs of the things that I do. Like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. You know, like when someone like shows awareness. anxiety, almost like yeah, <laughs> yeah, awareness, but also anxious yeah, because yeah. of their awareness. I find comfort in that when I see someone who's not a comedian doing that. Then it's like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. You're okay. And I just want to tell them that they're okay. <laughs> right. It's always weird somebody who's like... Because on the one hand, we have these guys like like Marco, who probably, I'm guessing, is not a super anxious person. I don't think so. No. But so, like, that's a cool, like, paradigm. But then, like, you're right. Like, there's also these, this person who's, like, super 
it maybe is super anxious, but you're like, oh, I fucking relate with like, because you're just saying a lot of these tiny doubts. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. We're all feeling, yeah. you know? Um, I mean, do you think, uh, how do you think, like, or I don't know, do you think of stand up at all as like, in terms of that, like, using it to relate to people? Do you, like, do you think of it in those terms or is it. <sighs> No, and I should. I'd probably be better at stand-up if I thought about relating to other people more. I just say... I mean, same here, yeah. You know, like, I just say whatever whatever I write that week. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how to do stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. Well, I I don't know. It's... I think that's some... It's weird. I think there's, like, an imposter syndrome that sort of goes on. Or it's like... Because, okay... You can... I've seen you do stand-up. You can do stand-up. I can perform. I'm a performer. I can perform for a room. Uh Uh-huh. Can I write jokes? Mm, Debatable. Pretty debatable. But you can perform the shit out of... I can make people laugh for some reason. People like me for some reason. Well, like... Okay, nobody... I don't know. There are people who can write, like, the... the, Like, the Mitch Hedberg style Mm -hmm. jokes. Like, those are, like almost pure jokes like there's like a little there's a twist at the end and everything but like I think we're also at a stage of stand up where maybe it's not pure jokes but it is like it's like a mode of storytelling and it's like a a musicality Mm -hmm. that we adopt that just for whatever reason it it does maybe it's slightly surprising in the the way we're saying it or something or I don't know how long have you been doing stand up I think I started in 2011. Is it out here? No, I think it was 2010. Yeah, it was definitely out here. Mm-hmm. I think it was August of 2010. Did you move out here to do stand-up? I moved out here for comedy. I just didn't know what... Where? Yeah, I didn't know <laughs> what. I, I, I used to do a lot of theater growing up, and then I stopped. And then some point in my 20s, I like decided to try and do another... like community theater thing at this place that I really liked it was like an it was the edgy community theater it wasn't like your grandma's like the Wichita Center you know this was like this was the edgy one that made all the news because it was a conservative place and people would be like I can't believe that they're showing this this play at this place in this town right near the cloisters how dare they a musical about AIDS how dare they yeah Um, and then I saw a friend that I went to high school with that we had been in like plays and stuff together and I was like oh hey I was like he's like how you doing Ern?" because people used to call me Ern, which mm-hmm. is weird because now people call me lampy it's like no one will ever call me erin <laughs> except my boyfriend and i love that about him <laughs> thank but <you>. thank god <laughs> someone calls me by my real name but um he's like i was like oh guess what um i'm i'm doing uh i'm getting back into like theater i'm i'm in a play i'm, I'm really happy about it and he's like oh that's cool he's like when are you gonna focus on your comedy and this is a guy that had known me since like you know middle school yeah and i was just like no one had ever framed it that way and i was like oh i i have a comedy i can (laughs) focus on (laughs) so then i started thinking you know yeah what can i do and then i started looking into like second city and that's what i was like oh they have one in la i'll go there and that's Mm -hmm. how i started i just started like improv i started it i knew i wanted to do sketch stuff and i knew that i wanted to start at second city so i just started their program Uh immediately and then from that i like started writing sketch stuff and then from there i don't remember where i saw stand-up but i saw rory scovel oh man and i was like oh you can do you can make it whatever you want whatever the fuck you want especially rory because i thought i never thought i would do stand-up i was like i hate i thought stand-up was all just what's the deal with my vagina you know like (laughs) charlie sheen's in the news today (laughs) right so i just thought i just always thought that stand-up was boring yeah and then i saw rory and he just opened with something really ridiculous and he just kept repeating himself and it was (laughs) so funny and i i that was the first time that i was like okay i can make this whatever i want and then i started 
so that's what made you fall in love with it more than yeah. sketch. Did you feel like sketch was kind of confining in that way? I'm or? not. I don't feel like I'm a good writer. I don't feel like a strong writer. And then mm. sometimes I do feel like I am. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm a fraud. I, maybe that goes back to your imposter syndrome. Yes, I constantly feel like I'm a fraud. And I think a lot of us do. And knowing that a lot of us feel like that is also comforting. Because it's totally, like, okay, yeah. yeah, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. This person who I totally know is not a fraud is thinking they're a fraud too yeah which is crazy when you think about that when when you get that like justification that someone that is way ahead of you successful making money at it yeah someone that you admire that is successful that is doing (laughs) what you want to do and they're like i don't know what i'm doing and then it's like okay all right you don't have to know (laughs) thank god yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and so, so yeah like you and you have a, I feel like you have a, a pretty personal stand-up, too. Was that another aspect of it? Yeah, that's another thing that makes it hard is because I talk about whatever's going on, and and then sometimes that thing will be resolved, and then it's like, oh, no, I don't have jokes anymore. I mean, a lot yeah. of my jokes for the first three or four years were all about... Unfinished business. <laughs> unfinished business and, like, dating and this and that, and and I really liked a lot of those jokes because... They were really honest. They they came from dark, dark places. And they were just things that, you know, like, while I was, like, crying about all this stuff, like, something would make me laugh. I would have yeah. a thought that would be like, huh, that's pretty funny. And then, you know, then I would try it, and then that's, that's yeah. who I became. But then, when I met my boyfriend, very uh, ironically... Right before that September 30th Dr. Dog show, (laughs) we met and we had our first date three days later. Damn. I really think that, like, all these things just fell into place for me to be in a happy relationship. But then I was like, oh, fuck. My problems are getting fixed. (laughs) No, what do I write about? So I went through a crisis, like, the first year we were together. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And... I, I'm going through that again now because then I was like, okay, cool, yeah, I'll just talk about waitressing. But now I'm like, I can't waitress anymore. I think I need to quit my job. Like, all this other stuff is happening. Yeah. And that's fine because I'll just probably come up with stuff, you know, about yeah. that. But it's so hard because I just don't know if I'm ever going to have a solid set. Like, you right. know, like what? I, I totally know because I, I, I was, I, I would write the same way with like from dark places, from shitty things happening or like yeah, shitty problems I had and I <laughs> yeah it's weird like to me I, I remember feeling like there's something I can't even remember what bit it was but just like I just remember being like I could probably like do the psychological work to like fix this issue <laughs> but it's such a good joke I don't want to fix it well, it's the, a weird like arrested development I've definitely heard people say that before well it's funny because my boyfriend was helping me build my website a little bit or he was helping me like choose video clips mm-hmm. and I so and that's one thing I hate is watching myself oh me too and so but that's terrifying. part of it you have to you have to, you have to hear it. what you're doing so you could be like shut up that <laughs> shut up just say the one word that made the people laugh you know that's how I that's how I work on yeah. my fucking craft <laughs> is I just tell myself to shut up but um <laughs> so we were watching this one clip that was from so long ago and I forgot about the joke and he was like that's a good joke why don't you tell that anymore I was like, because that's about, a, I'm, I was like, I'm in a relationship. I can't talk about that. And he's like, you could still, no one has to know you're in a relationship, but I can't, I'm not one of those comics that can just go out there and tell fake stories. Same here, I yeah. can't, I actually did try that when we were, when we first started dating, I was like, well, maybe I can still do those jokes, but there's no conviction. Like totally. I'm the same just, way. I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm just an honest person and I can't, I can't talk about stuff that didn't actually happen you know it's like there's a difference to me too between like maybe changing a detail in a story of mm-hmm. like this happened five years ago and maybe maybe it was a woman with uh red hair instead of brown hair or something like mm-hmm. something that just actually that works for the joke that like that stuff i can like change a detail but like the emotional seriousness or like the 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 facts of like oh i'm not dating somebody it's, it would right. be so weird to like but yeah. that's totally sweet that he was like, hey, you don't have to say your date. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> Sell me out. <laughs> and so you've been dating him for... Since 2013. Damn. Yeah. October of 2013. And uh, did you guys did you guys move in? 
yeah he moved in a year ago a little over a year ago he moved into my place because i mean it's a long story but right uh my place is great and it's cheap and Mm -hmm. as is mine (laughs) yeah so he moved in there and it's been really great actually my apartment has improved greatly since he moved in because he's an artist so our walls are covered with art before they had nothing Uh i didn't know what to i didn't know how to furnish a fucking apartment or like make it look nice and he came in and he did a lot to it, so that's cool. That's and really cool. Before that, had you only lived alone? Did you have roommates? No, I've or? always had roommates. Mm-hmm. I've had a couple of bad roommate situations um, in LA, and I've had a really good, two really good ones. So it's uh, it's it it got me to the place of like when I was thinking about when I needed to get a new roommate, I was like, who do I? Who can I even get? to share this space now because I didn't try I was so like out of trust yeah for everyone and yeah. I was just like yeah. I don't want to live with a stranger I don't want to live with a comic I don't want to live with what the fuck am I going to do and then I was like yeah. I don't want anyone else in this space but that guy and it totally worked Fucking it a. totally worked out you got the, the sweetheart artist guy yeah <laughs> and now and like he's pretty. got his own like the uh, the second bedroom is like his little studio so he's got his space and oh, that's so cool and i was like can i just keep our can i keep our room the same way it is so it's like my space and then you have that room as your space and it just <laughs> it actually really works that's awesome yeah so like neither one of us really had to like compromise our independence in any way that's- i love it that's so cool. And had you lived with, you never had, like, I've never lived with a girlfriend. Oh, well, yeah, I'm pretty experienced in the live-in boyfriend. I'm on my yeah. third one, but, uh, you know, this, <laughs> so this is the bad roommate This is situation. the one. This is yeah. the one that's going to work. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, like, we're, like, in forever love, and I can say that that's without amazing. panicking. It's amazing. And, yeah. and, like, I lived with two boyfriends before, and um, you know what? I'm glad that I did. I, I learned a lot about what I don't want. <laughs> and I'm actually, like, still really friendly with those guys. One of them is, like, one of my best friends. That guy, the second boyfriend that I lived with is, he truly, like, shaped me into the, like, confident dork that I am. <laughs> like, he he made, he really helped me out without either one of us realizing it. Yeah. He helped me get to where I am today so i am forever grateful to that guy he has always believed in me and uh he's great and i love him we were just meant to be friends yeah so along with trey anastasio the ultimate confident dork yeah (laughs) Yeah. trey that's um that's so and how so how does it you say you're like like how does it feel what are I don't know I don't know how, I don't know how personal we want to get but like what I can is, get personal. What is like the difference this time? Like when you say like I can say without panicking like this guy. Well, I think I really had to like take care of a lot of myself. I really had to take care of myself. And when I look back on all of the six years that I was single in L.A. and like having such a hard time. It was a lot of it. I mean, a lot of it were well, that I was dating jerks. That is for sure. Like there were definite manipulative, manipulative yeah. liars that would come into my life. And I am I'm really trustworthy or naive, however you want to put it. But, you know, a lot of it was definitely them, but not all of it. Like when I think back to unfinished business, there was a lot going on in my life that I was not talking about. So then when like when I would talk about it. If, if that subject would come up, then I would I would probably have a really negative reaction. I was probably ca- I was carrying around a lot of negativity that I didn't even know. Yeah. Until I started addressing it with myself. Yeah. So I think that a lot, I just I just really had to become who I am now in order to like sustain this this thing, you know? Yeah. And we're both really honest with each other, and he gets me. He just really gets me in all the ways, and he likes me for all the all that I am, <laughs> even the really, like, dark stuff, which has come out, you know? And that was one of my worries, because I was like, when I met him, I was in such a good place. And then things started changing a few months later, um, and uh, I was like, oh, no, he's going to see, like, he's going to see it all. He's going to see it all if we move in together. Like, yeah, the shadow. And I was I was talking to our mutual friend. The reason we met is our, our friend Jess. She knew him from New Jersey, and I've known her for years. And 
and she he used to work at the Apple store and he fixed my phone. So anyway, that's <laughs> how we met. But it's a genius. Um, yeah, so I remember telling her I was like I was like he's going to see like everything. You know, like well, I was like and the only thing I could think of is like my car dying. Like what's the worst thing that can happen to me while well, my car would die. Uh-huh. My car would be gone. Wh- what do I do? Just I didn't want him to see me in a helpless state. Mm. Cuz I was yeah. like everything's going so well and then I was like, "You know what? He's going to have like we are going to have to see each other in these states of mind that like are, you know, human but very vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? He has, and he's he hasn't gone anywhere, and he's like loves me more for it. I think, and I've definitely seen him in in ways that I didn't know could exist, and I still love him for it. You know, yeah. so it's it's been pretty great. I mean, I can't even believe it. I can't believe that two people can like that. That feeling can even exist between two people and sustain. Yeah. I have. I had no idea. I had no idea. Just no hard to write bits about that. That beautiful. Yeah, hard love. to hard to write bits about love. I, I, you know, I've written bits about you know about him for sure. But I also don't like doing that. Like I don't want to call him out. I don't yeah. want to make him the butt of my joke. I'll yeah. make myself the butt of the joke. I ruined a painting of his because of a fart. Basically, <laughs> I didn't want to fart in the same room. And all this stuff happened. A beer got knocked over when I jumped off the couch to try to go in the other room. And then the glass broke. And then the dog was coming over to. Then I had to go and get the mop from the closet. And and the bike was in front of the closet, and the bike fell over, and the kickstand ripped the painting. <laughs> so, like, I'll talk about that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I just didn't want to fart. I'm sorry. Yeah, and you know what his response to that was? Oh, next time, just let it out. <laughs> just let it just out. Fart. <laughs> so. Oh, that's, that's, that's beautiful. That's really cool, too, because, like, I, I can relate so much. I've, it's been mostly single for me the past three or four years and with with spots of like serious relationships with people who had to move away or whatever so like some amical type breakups but overall yeah it's for me I had to work a lot on my own negativity and yeah. the, the vibe I was putting it and it's so weird it's like you either don't recognize it or like when you do when you're in the middle of it you can almost like start justifying it like well I have reason to be negative right but it's so it's that the cliche is true. <clears throat> what they say is that you have to work on yourself before you can like come to a relationship. You yeah. know, you come to give, as they say. Yeah, sometimes I'll see like comic gr- comics on state, like newer girls I've seen talking about things that I used to talk about. You know, like and some of them, are, like I've, I don't know. I I'm thinking of like one girl. This is really bad. I shouldn't even talk about this. But sometimes I'll see a girl talk about her struggles with dating. Mm-hmm. And I just want to be like, you have to love yourself. Listen to the other stuff you're saying. Like, you're not treating yourself mm. right right now. You're, yeah. You have to, like, just stop dating. That's what I had to do. I had I cut off all dudes for, like, I'm not saying that I know everything or, you know, this is just what worked for me. And I, I'm sure that it's across the board would also work, you know, like just focus on your own shit because yeah. it's such a distraction to like have a dude to text and then mm-hmm. uh, when he doesn't text you back you're just gonna focus on that and you're just focusing on all this other shit and you're not focusing on the demons that totally exist yeah you. you're just kicking those cans down the road yeah, yeah and and so I don't know I'm really really glad like I told myself at the beginning of that summer it was like April or May 2013 I was like I'm not gonna pay attention to any dudes until like September and I even had a guy Mm -hmm. be like I'm in love with you and I was like I don't know why you're coming out of here with this like I've known you we're friends like this is weird why are you doing this to me I just got into therapy guy give me a few months here and like I even tried to like kind of make it work and then I was like this is done and then I like made him not contact me for a month I was like you need to just not chill contact me for a month i need a month where i don't have anything trying to distract me and and of course like that was really helpful that month i i worked a lot on myself and then we we saw each other again and he was right back to like 
smothering me, but mm. it didn't feel right. I was like, why am I getting... And I was getting upset, because I was like, why would I deny a man's love? But, like... Because you were maybe coming from a stronger place. You're like, oh, I recognize... Yeah, it was, know, like, the first... Not... Like, you know, maybe, like, a few years before that, I would have been like, sure, this guy likes me, I'm gonna do it. But, like, the last time that that had happened, oh, it was terrible. Well, that's the like, ripe for manipulation time. Yeah, red flag after red flag after red flag with the one guy that I dated for more than a month out here, and I was just like, I never felt right about it, but in my own, like, fucked up head at the time, I was like, well, he likes me. He <laughs> likes me, so I should. Yeah. But, like, fuck that. If it doesn't feel right, get out of there. Yeah, and as somebody who I have gone through phases of life when I was much younger, when I was, like, I was that smothering, that, that super um, doting or whatever you want to call it. But you know what? One thing I have... I learned originally through this uh, this great Buddhist teacher Sharon Salzberg. She's like uh, she, she's 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 great. But uh, she talks about like how attachment being an enemy of love and how it's it's sneaky because attachment often looks like love and it's mm-hmm. like you know maybe sometimes when I've said it or I don't know about uh, this particular this particular dude for you, but like they they think they love you, they say they love you, but really they're just super attached and attachment is about like trying to so subtly control yeah. that person through like because because true love to me real love is like i want you to be happy mm-hmm. in whatever configuration we are i'm not trying to make you do anything it doesn't have to you don't even have to be with me in any capacity right. just like be happy in yeah. some level yeah and that's like when we feel like fucking cool thank you yeah versus that like no, you have to be happy with me. Yeah, you know, once I didn't realize, but yeah, that was super controlling because I would, I mean, and maybe I was trying to control it too, but I was just coming at him with the most honesty. And I was like, look, you're <laughs> great, <laughs> yeah. but like I have something every single night this week. Give me a week. I need this week. I can't hang out with you this week. Yeah. I have something every night this week. That would be on a Sunday. By Tuesday, I'd get a text. What are you up to tonight? And that just sent me into a panic. And I was like, I can't. And he's done that. This guy, we're still friends. But he's done that to, like, every girl he's ever dated. Yeah. And I remember telling him before I was just like, no, I can't do this. I remember telling him before that, like... I was like, I feel like I just need till September. Because he came at me with this in, like, May. I was like, I feel like I just need till September. And he was like, what, we can't hang out till September? I was like, I don't really know what it means. I feel like I just need the summer to, like, figure myself out. And finally, like, you know, like, we didn't talk. We, like, tried it, then we didn't talk for a month, and we kind of got back into it. And then I was just like, I can't do this. And I remember being really upset and talking to Jess my friend who is the mutual friend with my boyfriend now. And I was like, I don't know why I'm getting so upset over this. This guy isn't even my type. And she goes, well, what is your type? And I laid it down for her like in a perfect world. And I just listed every single thing that would be great. (laughs) And she goes, and this is like two months before I even met him. She goes, oh my God, do you like my friend Kevin? Ah. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know. I don't want to be set up. (laughs) And then, you know what? We didn't talk about it again. And then a month or two later, my phone broke, and she was like, you should call my friend Kevin. Damn. So, like, isn't that like, weird? Like, well, one of the traits I listed was be named Kevin. So. <laughs> no, definitely not. Actually, I vowed to never date a Kevin again after 2010. Um, but luckily, my Kevin, his mom spelled his name at birth with a Y. Yeah. So, technically, he's not really a Kevin. He's like a cool Kevin. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. Yeah, I don't know. I Yeah, it's, it's a weird... And I guess my... I, it's so... I've been dealing with that with not with romantic relationships, but other relationships in my life that uh, trying to deal with people who are that attached and yeah. that my compassion comes in, I guess, just from being like they don't they're not aware mm-hmm. because anytime you are do you are doing that kind of behavior, like you're trying to be like, hey, why aren't you hanging out with me all the time? Like, why aren't you spending? It's coming from some sort of hole in them yeah. that needs to be filled because oh, they because they haven't like done that. like yeah. the work themselves either, you know. Yeah. And um, I recommend therapy. I think I've, someone once told me, and I think this is a great piece of advice. But someone once said, I think everyone, and he's a little older than me. He said, I think everyone should have a therapist and an, and an accountant. <laughs> and I was like. That is pretty good advice. Like, I feel like tax time would be a lot easier if I just had a guy that I could go to and be like, yeah. here's all my shit. 
figure it out. I I haven't told anybody else this, but I actually just this past week I saw a therapist for the first time. That's great. And like, well, two years ago I saw one for like for it was like a a short term like an acute problem. But this is the first time I've gone and be like, I just want I just want a dude to like I want to build a relationship with this guy. Like I want him to know me. I don't want like I don't have a specific thing, but. even that first week, it feels so fucking good to be yeah. listened to. Right. And you can say your weird shit. Yeah. You know? No and you, judgment. And be like, am I crazy here on this? They're like, <laughs> well, maybe this one you are. But the other stuff, no. Yeah. Like, it feels cool, good. Cool. Cool. Yeah. That's, I, I recommend it. That's awesome. Um, so, I mean, okay. Normally, it's about time to wrap up. Okay. Um, normally, in other shows, we would, like, make up our own religion. But we... I think people know fish is always going to be our real religion. I mean, okay, I will. I will say this. I'm not saying that Trey is God. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying he's Jesus himself. No, but he. There's just something about him that makes people feel like it's going to be okay. I don't know. That, for me, personally, he's, this is really dumb. I know how dumb this sounds, but this is a true thing that's happened a couple of times. For whatever reason, I've dreamed that I'm at a really intimate fish show. It's usually a very familiar venue. It's very small. There's only a couple people there. Somehow I got in. And I, in the dream, I'm like panic. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm here. Am I supposed to be here? And I'm like having like, like an anxiety attack in the dream. And then Trey comes down and we either make eye contact from the stage or later he'll come down and he'll be like, hey, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. So I'm not kidding. Like Trey has appeared to me in my dreams and said, everything's going to be okay. That's so crazy. And I'm not, I'm not saying that he's God, but when I go to those shows, I feel the thing that I imagine people who go to church and come out feeling cleansed feel. Yeah. I think I even texted you one time, like before the show we went, I was like, let's go to church or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, f- um, I feel like that about this dance class that I take. That that <laughs> feels like my church. Like, I feel renewed. I feel good. I feel okay. I feel like everything is going to be okay. That's amazing. And dancing, for me, that's... I only 100% self-affirming dance at fish oh shows. yeah oh yeah you're moving your body you're yeah. moving your body you've you're seen me good. dance you're one of the few people who has seen me dance i'm not don't don't tell me how i move. I, I, I don't want to know. you know what i'm not even paying attention because yeah. we're all just doing our own dance we're all doing our own dance fucking a uh i think we did it thanks for coming on hey no problem this is awesome and message, you're awesome message to my haters i don't care <laughs> i don't care get out of here fuck the haters <laughs> Well, that's the show. Thanks again for tuning in. If you like the show, subscribe on all the relevant stuff. Stitcher and iTunes in the main place. Chooseyourownreligion.com. Email me at jojoquint.net if you want to hear anything, if you want any particular religion talked about more or whatever you want, whatever you like, just to say hi. Love you guys. Ja Rule. What's a creative podcast network?